You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Listening to the Liz in Detroit show, talking real estate in the metro Detroit area. Hello, everyone. It is with great pleasure to start off my 16th podcast as a year in review for 2016. As we draw to our last couple of weeks at the end of this year, um, there's a lot to be thankful for and um, a lot to look forward to um, in 2017. And first and foremost, I want to say thanks to all the wonderful guests that I've had in, well, I think I did all of what, two shows, I think I had guests on. So all 14 guests, which included President of Real Estate One, Dan Elsie, um, uh, members of my title company, Parks Title, Kevin McBride, to um, wonderful um, private home inspector Skip Stackhouse, to historic wood uh, window um, restorationist Andrea Savanti, to Lee Paget from Busted. I mean, all of these amazing things and people. Um, really make my job and what I do so much easier because they are there to support me um, and everything I'm doing in real estate. So once again, thank you to all of those wonderful guests that are on my show. And I'm so excited with lining up some great new people, talent for the 2017 year, because it will be my 20th year in real estate. And so we're going to celebrate the absolute, the 20th year. 20th year. Of Elizabeth Tintinelli, E.T. E.T. Liz in Detroit. Yep. 20 years. 20 years. It's kind of crazy. I mean, there are a couple of years where I was doing real estate amongst many other things when things were kind of in a weird transitional point of me in the early 2000s, but most definitely, yeah, it's Was that years. your Colorado days? No, that was like the day that I had like four jobs for like period of year Usually in transitioning when... between real estate development companies. I was like had four jobs all in Detroit, but it was really great and exciting because I was working all the time, but I was working all these different jobs. So it was kind of exciting. It was in year of what? 2002, I think. End of 2001 and part of 2002. Just kind of crazy, which is still a long time, a ways away. Um, but you know, I was kind of recapping with with creating this show today. I was like doing lots of um, cramming homework on some of the things that really highlighted me, or I should say that hit me hard and highlighting um, some of the good and some of the, the th- not so great things that happened in 2016. And I've like gone through like a series of lists and I'll try to refer to as many um, websites as I possibly can for those of you who want more information. But to start off, you know, um, I think we start off 2016 pretty strong when we've seen how much the, the roads throughout Detroit, Metro Detroit have been under construction. And there's a big emphasis placed on as we are redoing a lot of those roads, especially in the city, that now they have to create bike paths. So um, to start off, you know, the mobility via bike has dramatically increased over the course of the year with all the new bikes past the expansion of the DeQuinder cut. Um, and well, ha- the DeQuinder cut doesn't look anything what it used to be. No, we remember the days when it was urban. It was ruin porn. Right. You know, people made little treks and you made sure you had a guide or at least an escort with you to make sure that you could navigate that area. And the DeQuinder cut 
is just absolutely gorgeous. Now you see people going down there to do photo shoots of themselves. Yeah, it's it's spectacular. It's it's one of the places. If you're coming to visit the city, it's like a destination spot that you want to come to and view all the beautiful. Ten years ago, city. can you imagine have telling anybody, "Oh, you're coming in. You really have to go to the Dequinder Cut." No, because can I tell you what? I grew up understanding of yes, knowing of the Dequinder Cut. That's where my sister, names not to be mentioned, and friends from friends' school used to go and on a little recess from school. Cause that and do was the, the Colorado. Spot. And do the Colorado. <laughs> yes, that's what we will call it. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's amazing. I mean, that's one of the things that I miss greatly from being less than a mile away from the Dequinder Cut when I lived in Brush Park is... Um, I would take my dog walking there, running there, biking there. It was it's it's such a great feature of the city. Um, now, thankfully, I'm much closer to Belle Isle, but still, that path is tremendous. And now, with it going even north, and now the plans that the money's already in place to turn the old train tracks that run along um, Bellevue and Beaufay by the Lawset River Town mm-hmm. into another extension path. And I'm sure with that will come more residential development and other supporting retail for that as well. So it's it's really been a tremendous year of what we've seen announced um, for development in that respect. And then to highlight that, um, my friends from Will House Detroit um, have opened up a second location in Hamtramck featuring some fabulous biking wear by a local designer artist. So it's like all this stuff has happened in, in just a year. It's pretty amazing. Um, and of course, having to do with me, I mean, every time I I look at cranes or I look at news blasts, whether it be Model D or we're talking about all the different development that's going on in the city. So we're talking, you know, from the northernmost ends of the Detroit um, borders, you know, of, of the ever um, expanding interest in real estate of the Palmer Woods, Palmer Park, Green Acres neighborhood university district to all the fabulous new retail that we've in restaurants and bars that we've heard um, announced along that Livernoy corridor, Mm -hmm. um, just enhancing that. um, And it's not just construction going up. No, these are are neighborhoods being built and you can see the people coming back into the city in different areas. You were talking about bike bike paths. Mm -hmm. Wayne state now is a destination for college kids. Um, obviously they've always wanted to go there because it's a college. But now, instead of it being like a fourth or a fifth choice, there's a lot of kids in the suburbs saying, I want to go to Wayne State. I want to live down there, and I want to grow with this city. You know, and that's tremendous. I mean, you look at the various programs that Wayne State has always been excelling in, um, you know, fine arts, um, you know, pre-med um, law. I mean, these are all spectacular programs that finally with the – ever growth of Midtown, it's getting some substantial recognition, not only locally, but nationally. And we know it's always had a strong pull internationally for the foreign students that are coming to um, take, you know, in med school programs that I come across all the time. And as I'm doing my sales and leasing at the Park Shelton, it's like you get students from Kuwait that are coming here going to school for Mm -hmm. med school. And it's just tremendous. So seeing, yeah, that it, it being recognized for the fabulous university that it is, is, is. You know, I had two clients in last night. We were at the Red Wings game, and they're in from Florida, and they're originally from North Carolina, and they were really asking me a lot of questions about the city. You know, mm-hmm. was it really that bad? And yes, it was really that bad. And they were like, is it really that good? 
And I asked where they were staying. They're staying out in Troy. And I said, here's what I want you to do. Instead of getting on 75 and going home, take Woodward. Start Woodward Mm -hmm. right here at the base and drive that all the way up. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see an entirely different city in a city that you never believed that was here. Yeah, because they were asking about the new stadium, you know, and I said, the Pistons are coming back down, and they didn't know that, and they were like, wait a minute. I said, yeah, when you go up Woodward, you're going to be able to see that all four sports teams, you could walk to each one of their homes, (laughs) and no other city is really like that. And that's an important fact. Is Detroit one of only a few cities, if the only city that has all um, major sporting enterprises located within the same city? No, there's others that are located within the same city, but Mm -hmm. this is going to be the only um, situation where all four major sports teams are walkable. In other words, they're only blocks away from each other. With most, even with like New York, you know, they had to move their football stadium out. Uh, Chicago is the same way. Wrigley and Comiskey, old Comiskey, are not even, it's north side and south side. Mm -hmm. And then United Center is way away from that. So what we have here, Mm -hmm. and you look at, you know, Winder Mm -hmm. as a specific example. Mm -hmm. You know, we know what Winder looked like 10 years ago, hell, even five years ago, Mm -hmm. you know. And all of that new construction that went up, people were excited about it. And then everybody, not everybody, it's a fallacial argument at that point. But the defaults that occurred and people that just walked away from it, you know, and knowing that five years ago you could get something for like sixty five, seventy thousand dollars. Oh, less than that, more like twenty. Everything in Detroit and you know, eight, nine, ten was like twenty thousand dollars. And now you're looking at prices on that four, five, six hundred thousand, right. and you know all of that new construction that's gonna go up, you know, just over on John R and Brush Park. That's gonna be at least four hundred to four hundred and fifty a square foot. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up. So I signed up back when I got the first email announcement of the um, new Brush Park development, you know, um, partnered with many, you know, many individuals, but naming, of course, um, Gilbert in part of that plan. And um, I got a phone call back um, because I attended the official ribbon cutting of one of the developments going on Brush Park, which is an affordable housing project that's going at the corner of Adelaide and John R. And so I was so excited because I'm like, yeah, you know, I have so many clients that, you know, what currently is in the, in the market might not be appropriate for them. But with this new stuff that's being built, it looks quite lovely. Yes, it's dense, but it's, it's going to provide them with a location that, you know, they wouldn't have otherwise. So, you know, um, the, person who I spoke to mentioned that pricing is probably going to start around 270 a square foot, but we're talking at some pricing below 200,000, but potentially are exceeding as high as 800,000, depending upon the type of project. So this is like the townhouse and carriage part of the um, modern city um, development that's going on. And a hundred of what units of what they're building will be for sale. The rest will be um, rental, but in you know, mixed in that will be some affordable housing options, which to me is still a really important component. We're, in, we're there's so much that's going on in the city where we're seeing renovation of older buildings to make new market rate rentals, and and we just cannot forget about the f- affordable housing options for the people that have been living in the city that want to stay here and shouldn't be displaced um, because you know pricing is going up. So the fact that they're going to get sim- you know, the same renovated product, 
you know, newer product, safe product, you know, efficient product that they can live in and afford is really key. Well, and that's, uh, you know, in the, for 2017, that's probably a show topic to, to yeah. bring in, you know, the whole gentrification issue mm-hmm. and the fact that, you know what, cash is king right now from a standpoint of people are seeing green and they want to take advantage of it right now when they believe they can get it. And there are too many people out there that because something's legal doesn't mean it's ethical or moral. Sure. Right. And I would completely agree with your point that they're rebuilding or renovating to try and push the existing people out because they know they can get a new market rate on it. And these are the people that's the institutional memory of this city, right. you know, especially people that have lived here all these years. And I don't care what the social socioeconomic class is. They're an important part of this city. They built this city. Right. They've always been a part of this. They've city. been a part of the neighborhoods as that we call, you know, being refound or reintroduced with, um, you know, renovation now. They've been living in these neighborhoods. They didn't leave. These are the people that when you saw the really bad neighborhoods sometimes, mm-hmm. you would see one beautiful house right. and you'd see like 10 either burnt out or boarded up. Now mm-hmm. somebody's going to go in there and buy all of those plots and then try and push the person that was that kept the light going. Yeah. And try and push those out. That's, I think, what I have the issue with. Yeah, you know, oh, absolutely. I'm all for growth and whatever's happening downtown. You know, between the Illiches, the Penskys, the Gilberts of the world buying the buildings, that's great. You know, because a lot of those, I feel for some of the shop owners that have been in the buildings, like First National, you know, people that were in there in the dark times and then the good times yeah. and then the dark times again. And now they're being pushed completely out. You know, saying, yeah, you know what, because they have somebody else. And I don't care if it's a Fago store, if they know that they can get $5,000 a month as opposed to this guy that's been there for 25 years and only getting $500 a month because they signed a contract. Yeah, there's just, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. And that's the important thing people do not realize about real estate Mm -hmm. is that that's our job also to really look at it. And we don't have to take every client. Right. Because we know the effect that it's going to have on the overall neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like a reverse of a red line, Mm -hmm. you know, where people went through the red line and say, we don't want those people in here. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we got to look at it and say, what's best for the neighborhood? And I think that's one of our obligations as real estate agents. Yeah. And I, you know, as we know now, as we've read about that, there there's um, legal action against part of the land bank you know, regarding certain practices that were occurring. I mean, I still believe that in, 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 in practice, for the most part, it was out to do the right thing. Um, I just think that, you know, I, I've known people that have taken great advantage and doing the right thing with purchasing those properties and rehabbing them the right way and putting those back on the market at an affordable rate. But I've also seen other people who do nothing and sit on those properties that could otherwise be occupied by the individuals who were forced out when the sale commenced, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, you can't help but see so much of the good, but we cannot forget about the, the adverse effects to all of this that's happening to the city because it, it inadvertently will affect all of us, um, eventually, if it hasn't yet. 
So you know. let's go back to the positive. Then. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, 2016, you're back on. You know, you've had a great year. You Last year, you had a phenomenal year. Yes. You've had an even better year this year. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about some of the positive aspects of things that happened this year and things coming forward. What do you see for the neighborhoods? I mean, I, I definitely see, like, if we go back to talking about Hamtramck, the fact that, you know, Will House opened up a store there is great. You know, everything from what the... Um, Detroit football has brought with the rehab of the stadium there and just driving in a whole new force of people there too. I was fortunate enough to be um, the representative of buyers that are still buying stuff in Hamtramck um, for great affordable um, prices that, you know, with renovation are still manageable with a loan. I mean, I'm proud to be a part of that. That's huge because these are people who, you know, make the conscious decision. They want to be here and they want to be a part of everything that's going on. But you know, they're not spending three and four hundred thousand dollars no. on something. But, you know, the money that they've got is still good money. And, you know, mm-hmm. and they they're active within the community. So that to me is is important. You know, um, which neighborhood excited you the most in 2016? Hmm. Wow. Now you've got Indian Village, right. you've got Boston, Edison. Well, you know, I, I, I unfortunately was not. Of of the right persuasion to get some people to invest in Jefferson Chalmers, but that still to me is like the 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 neighborhood of 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 persuasion that I wish more people would take a closer look at um, to want to be a part of. Um, earlier this this year, I saw some spectacular um, properties like on. I think Lakewood, Piper, I mean, steals of a deal under $100,000 when pricing in West Village was, you know, 200 plus. Mm-hmm. And I was telling people, okay, I know you're you're not in the West Village to be a part of all of the great renovation that's going along Kirchable, which I'll hit back later in the show. But if you're if you're looking for a quality home surrounded by neighbors who, for the most part, have not left. Like if you're looking at some of the streets in neighborhoods south of Jefferson, like it's amazing. It's like, why would people want to leave? They've got beautiful homes, Mm -hmm. you know, they might not be the biggest, you know, homes like that of parts of Indian village, but I mean, these are good, solid, beautiful brick homes that literally they dead end at a park on the water. (laughs) Like how much closer the water do you need to be? You know, so that, yeah, that's the neighborhood. And I've been trying desperately to to work on some affiliation, getting on the board of the um, East Jefferson Business Association because I just want to know more about because now that's my hood. That's what I drive through every day now to get into the city. And I'm just more encouraged to see that part of the city prosper. So um, that would probably be number one because I'm just encouraged by that whole neighborhood. Also, the North End, you know, um, I've seen some pretty spectacular places pop up here and there between like Taylor and Philadelphia and stuff that's been beautifully rehabbed. It might be like that diamond in the rough, but people don't understand how much it costs to like really renovate properties. You know, it's, it's not a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there. I mean, sure. If you're handy yourself, you can, you can probably cover a lot of the costs, but most people aren't you know, aren't. And so things are costing thousands of dollars to renovate. So you think, you know, people that are making that investment and buying that twenty and $30,000 house and making it their primary residence is pretty amazing. 
What do you see for East English Village in 2017? <sighs> Their community organization is really, really strong. You know, um, it's it's been unfortunately more of a trickle over there than other parts of the city. But I still think because of its closeness to the the gross points, um, it, it fell down really, really hard. But I I'm, I've been seeing definite price points creep up over a hundred thousand dollars there. I mean, it might be more steady and slow than the than the the spikes in value that we've seen in other the areas but I still c- continue to see that um it's a neighborhood to be looking at to be um to be invested in um I have seen a whole lot of investment pools come up there and it's that part is is still very scary that you still have large concentrations of investment pool houses mm-hmm. there but you know, even people that are renting, they need good, solid homes to rent. You know, know. if you remember when Mayor Bing, uh, with the controversial program where they wanted to consolidate and they mm-hmm. really wanted to start not destroying some of these neighborhoods, but, you know, putting back in and that way he could start building up the infrastructure in those areas. And I believe the east side is what he envisioned at that point, especially in the um you know, the altar and the Fisher area, mm-hmm. you know, putting right there on that border and building up that infrastructure. Do you think that goes away now or do you think they're going to try no. and use the rehabs? As a matter of fact, what I've seen within the last two to three months, probably longer, um, along on Alter Road connecting Mac with Warren, I've actually seen more infill housing once again, right behind the wow. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't done enough research to see if it's a community based development that's going on there. Because um, Morningside did, you know, gosh, several years ago, they did a similar renovation project that was connected with um, HUD. You know, and they were developing a bunch of houses along Alta Road, actually, between, yeah, um, Mac and Warren on the east-hand side of Alta Road. And now we're seeing some infill go in between um, Alta and Chalmers between Warren and Mac. So it's further bridging... um, you know, streets that maybe had one or two houses on them. So now that right. infill is pretty strong. And that, to me, I think is a huge part about it. Because so many people, they they love the neighborhoods that they're in. They don't want to be moved just because things are falling apart in their own existing neighborhood. You know, they have ties there. Um, so to fill that in and maybe provide alternative options for people who want to stay in the community, maybe they're you know, in, a, in a house that... They can no longer maintain, but they have the ability to to be able to get a mortgage and they can, you know, be in a home that they can be in longer, you know, that's more stable from that. I think that's really important, you know, Um, and I hope to see more of that occur. You know, those kind of developments occur in other parts of of Detroit as well. I know several years back, you know, Grandmont Rosedale was doing some new construction development as well. Um, and yeah, I'd like to see more of that occur. I was involved in, in some HUD, um, redevelopment reinvestment programs back in 2012 and 2013 in parts of Highland Park and old Redford and Brightmore. Um, you know, still a really small scale, um, that I was involved in, but, 
prior to my involvement in that particular HUD project, there were still existing community organizations that have been doing that all along and still continue to do that to this day. So that kind of community support to me is really key because um, one of the things the mayor highlighted in those 20 minute neighborhoods, and I think those are those kind of neighborhoods that, um, you know, from little bits of retail um, that we're seeing, you know, reinvestment go back into some of those neighborhoods. You're seeing things built up and you, t- you mentioned Highland Park and mm-hmm. you were you were an integral part of that development going in on Midland. And to this day, between Midland and Pilgrim, it, it really is like night and day. Yeah. Um, I wish we could have done more, you know. I mean, you always want to have more money. I mean, the, the, the original plan was to do probably another 25 or 30 rehabs of existing homes. But unfortunately, that didn't happen to the scale of which we wanted. You know, every little bit helps. But still, I would have liked to have seen, uh, in addition to a lot of the new construction, I would have liked to have seen some of the rehabbing of a lot of those original bungalows more than what we did Um because there's, there's still some really great houses that, to this day, I still get phone calls from some of the people that went through the approval process of the program that were waiting on some of those rehab homes that, for whatever reason, you know, yeah, legal reasons, whatever, fell out of dispute and, uh, you know, and, and weren't available. And still to this day, it's not known whether or not if they're, you know, have been sold, who owns them or whatever. But, yeah, yeah, every... Every person that I placed in those, you know, 25, 30 homes have been spectacular. And I've been fortunate enough to have them call upon me even since, you know, to some in some capacity just to say hello or to hello or a referral mm-hmm. or, you know, or Absolutely. any other of these. You know, that's something that would really work on the west side, you know, mm-hmm. that Joy Road Southfield mm-hmm. area to, to start building that block by block. And we know all the money's gone downtown and it's starting to new center and midtown, you know, it's all going there. And hopefully East side is next, you know, yeah. with the East English village that we're talking about, uh, which leads to the question of 2017. What do you see? What excites you about 2017? I, you know, just seeing the, the bodies from all of these development projects, like hearing that, you know, the Scott is nearing being filled up. You know, they've got um, people in waiting to move into the Descharm, you know, Orleans Landing, same thing. Like all of these developments that are literally coming together almost at the same time to see that all of these p- bodies will be now in the city more than we've ever had before. I really want... I would really love to be able to walk down the streets regardless of the time of day, regardless of the time of year and see like a heavy flow of traffic all the time. Like you do in other major cities, Mm -hmm. you know, and see great little bars and restaurants popping up around, you know, different street corners like you do in parts of Chicago and other, you know, in Boston and Baltimore. I want to see that really truly happen here, you know, to, you know, well, it's happening now. It is. I want to see more of it, though. That's what I'm looking forward to in 2017. I want to see more of it. But (laughs) you look at things like that and you've grown up in this city, you Mm -hmm. know, you're invested, you're ingrained. Um, and those of us that have gone to Hopcat when it first opened Mm -hmm. and last week you're trying to go to Hopcat and you can't get there because there's Mm -hmm. absolutely nowhere to park. Mm -hmm. You know, their whole lot is done and you're driving around and you're like, well, at least you're able to find, you know, I found myself back at 
Union Station, Union mm-hmm. Street, mm-hmm. you know, for the first time in years, only because I couldn't get in the Hopcat. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, is this the new reality? You know, between at least Woodward looks a lot better now that the construction is, mm-hmm. you know, 75% done. And, you know, we know they tested um, Gilbert's employee shuttle that was uh, yesterday where they did the queue line, you know, the M1 rail. What's your thought on that? You know, we're, we're so excited about 2017 yeah. and everything Detroit. Do you find any negative in what's going on in Detroit? You know, my biggest thing is, is, is you know, the economic disparity, you know, of those individuals that have been here for a long time. As, as all of this new development comes in, and we see definitely bridging in, you know, between Midtown and parts of where the new stadium is going up, you know, you've got a high concentration of homeless shelters that are over there. What are you going to do when that val- when that land becomes more valuable? Oh, those are going to go know? away. Right. I mean, and so it's going to be like every that? other city. They're right. going to start giving them bus tickets yeah. and out of town. They're going to ship them. You know, I mean, I was really encouraged when I read earlier this year about um, a possible development going up with tiny houses. Yes. Very you know, and, I, I, and I guess I'm still, you know, and I think about it, it's like they, they deserve safe shelter. Like who doesn't deserve safe shelter where they can go to? But I'm my concern on that is like, are these going to turn into like little homeless camps that are like, you know, dangerous? You know, like how, how once you start that, how do you um, how do you make sure that that's still a part of the a good, strong part of the community and not turn into a negative part of the community? Um, you know, I, you know, like the old barrios, you know, or the right. old projects that we are taking down in Brush Park. You know, how do you not turn that into the same, you know? Um, so that's a concern of mine for not only 2017, but the future, you know, and as I'm again doing my homework for recapping, um, I pulled up some information from the, um, Oh, if I can pull it up again. Ah. Um, uh, the con- oh, the regional chamber con- uh, conference of 2016, excuse me for fumbling, you know, and as we're talking about growing communities and, you know, dealing with um, job losses and trying to connect the community with those kinds of jobs, you know, they talked about at this conference and, uh, and I am reading from excerpts from that 2016 Detroit Chamber Conference. Um, and it says roughly 60% of ho- households in Detroit do not have access to broadband internet connectivity, um, according to the 2013 census report. And that's huge. You know, as we're tr- thinking about, you know, creating more jobs for our community, how do we connect those individuals with those jobs? You know, and I would like to challenge that we can. And I hope that we do see some kind of a regional internet connectivity that, you know, certain communities will have access to. So free Wi-Fi. Wouldn't that be great, you know? Well, they've um, been talking about that for years. I'd love to see that. Right. I mean, you downtown know, should be blanketed. Know, right. Because not everybody can go to their local, you know, library if there even, even is one. I mean, where are people going to go to get connected you know, because I know what I pay for my internet. Right. Well, that's not getting any cheaper. It's going up, let alone 
you know, somebody who might be on a fixed income? Like, how can they compete with the raising rates of what providers they have to their access? You know, am I going to feed my kids or myself or have Internet? You know, it's an easy question. So that's something that I would really love to see actually really get addressed is having that um, be worked on so that the Detroiters themselves can be connected with ways to find these jobs, you know, and no, or get agree. skilled to be able to, you know, get what education they need to be able to apply for. And it's jobs. not even necessarily education, but it's mm-hmm. knowledge. Yes. Uh, and yes. there is a difference between the two. Mm-hmm. And to add that capability for the Internet, you know, in addition to. It's a point of personal privilege, but I believe they need to ban the box too. You know these job applications, especially in the city, when they were like, "Have you ever been, you know, convicted of a crime?" You know, the moment they do, I'm I'm a hiring manager. I've been a hiring manager. I know that I've been told, "You see that box? Doesn't matter what the qualifications, it just goes away." People need to have the opportunity. They're not the worst act that they've ever committed. Right. You know, you've got people that did stuff in their 17s, 18s, 19s. You know, they stole something. They may have gone away to jail for it. Mm-hmm. They come out. They've rehabilitated. They they paid their debt. Right. They paid a debt because mm-hmm. they really haven't paid the debt yet. Right. And they can't even get an application in front of somebody because they're, they've are they got the, the scarlet letter right there on right. them. So between the Internet and then banning the box. Yeah, it, we're trying to, like, actually instill the – desire and want of those individuals to start their own businesses, like for them to find their own niche, they become their own entrepreneurs. I mean, that is an answer. Why work for somebody else if you can potentially get the tools together to create something yourself? And then you only have yourself just, you know, you know, to a successful small business Mm -hmm. does not stay a small business very long. And even if you've got a mom and pop shop, if the idea is right in the monetary financial gain is there right somebody's going to come in and buy them Mm -hmm. and that's great Mm -hmm. people should never have an issue because you're going to have the opportunity so you're just working then you design or create something new or work for yourself or work for whoever just bought it right so i'm with you you know the people are like well it's tough to be an entrepreneur now look at the stupid apps on your phone Right. People make millions of dollars. They There's design an app for an, everything. There's an app for everything. Mm-hmm. And you've got kids that are sitting there writing code right now just trying to figure out what's the next big app. Right. And then when somebody hits it, it's like hitting the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. You know, millions of dollars go into their pocket. Boom. Mm-hmm. It's done. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, um, I look at the Detroit now in comparison to the Detroit I grew up with, and I don't, I think I can in many respects say I'm more proud of the Detroit now than the Detroit I grew up loving and enjoying. Um, you know, then, you know, it was a handful of places that I knew about going to that I was introduced through, through, you know, my family from, you know, Hart Plaza. I used to go to, you know, have story time at the original library. I used to go to, um, events and movie nights at the Scarab Club on their wall. They used to show like black and whites and great Charlie Chaplin. I was pretty sure it was Charlie Chaplin or Laurel and Hardy back in the day. You know, I went to music school there off of John R. You know, there's some great establishments and they're still great today. But just seeing, I think, a broader appreciation of the city, like my job is a lot less harder now than it was even, you know, um, 
back in 2008 when things were so cheap and I was telling people they can't get any cheaper than this. Right. You know, uh, I'm glad that people are finally realizing. I mean, it might not have been from my scolding and teaching, but thankfully there's been enough positive publicity for people to realize what a great city it, it is and what how important it is to become a part of that if you can contribute to the greater good of the city and its community. This is really the longest stretch I think we've ever gone without calling the Detroit City Council the clown soul. <laughs> you know, just remember mm-hmm. how bad it was yeah. even five years ago where yeah. you're like, this is a train wreck between the Shrek mm-hmm. and everything else that was going on. Everything was just a joke. I'm not saying the current administration is the greatest thing going, mm-hmm. right? But at yeah. least we're not embarrassed. Yeah. We're no longer embarrassed to be Detroiters. Yeah. And that's the most important aspect. You know, I still have my beef with certain city departments. <sighs> Parking? You know who you are. No. <laughs> it has to deal with something we drink. Mm. Not happy. Not happy at all. And if someone would listen to me, I would, oh, yeah. Um, that's really unfortunate, you know, um, that, that truly, truly need important, uh, need need to be revamped in a major way especially because it's such a vital importance of our existence as human beings and if you can't get how you pay water and pass builds rectified as you're trying to become a new resident here there's nothing that can just totally devastate you more than you know um dealing with people who do not want to help you well and people disagree with that point about Mm -hmm. whether or not water is a right I'm with you 100% where I believe water is a right. But the red tape, the bureaucracy that's involved with the water, and it's not just Detroit. We see what goes on in Flint. Mm -hmm. You know, even the suburbs where they're raising their rates and they're just blaming it on the city of Detroit. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen those books. I've been in local municipalities and I've been in government where I know all they're doing is padding their own coffers because they know they can get away with blaming it on the city of Detroit. Yeah. You know, I believe water should be a net cost. Here's how much it costs, right? Mm -hmm. And then let's put it out there. And these shutoffs in the city, you know, with the residents, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) like everything else, you got to go after the businesses first. You know, God love the Illiches, and you know my, um, you know, organizational skills with them, right? But if you're not paying your water, you should have your water shut off. And they're like, yeah, but we got to run this concert tonight. I don't care. Right. right. If you're going to mom and pop and saying, but I've got to wash my kids, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Right. But you'll let the other people have their concert and make their millions of dollars and not. So I'm with you on the bureaucracy. I guess my whole point on that is I think we can smell it and sense that it's at least getting better than what it was. I hope so. In the last couple of weeks, I don't say so, but I'm, I, I have faith that it will in time, you know, um, but a person shouldn't have to take off a full day of work, two days of work, or better yet, three days of work to handle a water bill. That's you know, just you're not absolutely acceptable. correct. It's and not it's, acceptable. It's yeah. not acceptable, and especially from a standpoint of these are not – people are not passionate about their jobs. You're very passionate about mm-hmm. what you do as a real estate agent. I don't want to put myself in their head. I don't know. I, I have no idea. All I know is from somewhere, whatever information they're given – which in turn goes to those customers, is wrong. It's not right. It's municipality. And you shouldn't have to go through four or five people to get the right answer, even if you do 
You need somebody to take ownership of the problem. That's Mm -hmm. what I mean. We we have a passion for what we do. It doesn't matter what you do. Mm -hmm. But I I like to refer to it sometimes as a bank teller syndrome, Mm -hmm. where their whole goal is to say no to you and see how irritated you can get because they have the control. And unfortunately, sometimes with... uh, some of these government employees, mm-hmm. they're beat down by mm-hmm. the system. They're beat down by the people that are in charge of them. Mm-hmm. And so the only people they really have control over is you. Right. Well, to bring that to a much more positive note, the department within the city that has saved the day for these clients that might have gotten, you know, heavily frustrated with certain departments, uh, the tax assessors, I will applaud you today. They have saved the day for these clients that ran into these problems because, um, you know, when it comes to filing your property transfer, you know, whether or not you have to have a recorded deed or not, the fact that you have to have a recorded deed is not written anywhere. It's not written anywhere. But sometimes you can be told that when you're going to file paperwork, um, which is kind of crazy because if things are delayed, whether the city or the county for those kind of filings, by the time you wait for those to be filed, your 45 days could be up. So you're automatically Mm going to be fined when you can actually file your proper paperwork after a closing. So thankfully, my clients have experienced excellent service people at the assessor's office who have been very accommodating with getting um, the proper property transfer documentation stuff timestamped and filed in a, you know, an expeditious manner. And that truly has, has saved not only myself the time and energy of, of, you know, also having to go to combat for my clients, but just making sure that those processes, you know, happen in the smooth manner in which they do. And it didn't used to be that in the tax assessors. Not, I mean, and it wasn't, it was really in the not too distant past where it was a much difficult process. Um, so that I'm happy about, you know, so 2017. 2017. Then. As I like loosen the tension from my shoulders after that. <laughs> he did. I'm, you know. Tell me about Liz in 2017. Liz in 2017. I've got so many fabulous ideas of, of almost paying homage to all of those clients that I have worked with over the years. Um, planning on doing various things quarterly in thanks of kind of like my call to action for those people who chose to work with me as an agent. And you'll be notified, those of you, um, you know, in the coming months of those kind of activities. It's kind of just a thank you that I want to send out there, whether it's in a gift certificate or something, you know, as a thank you out to those clients. Um, I am working on a new website that I hope will be more informative than the one that I have now that will be a good cohesive part to um, the buying process. I'm going to be integrating a a feature that's going to say, I bought this property in 2002. This is what this property is worth now. And, I, I, and I'm kind of really intrigued by this. So it can really highlight the, uh, the highs and lows of the Detroit marketplace where people can really see, I'm not making this up. This is, these are actually deeded properties. This is what it went for then. It's this not is what Zillow. it goes for now. Correct. So it's a better interpretation of where things are going with the marketplace. Um, also trying to get stronger in the ability to do, I mean, I love doing developments like the Park Shelton. Those are, 
those are really great projects because I, I also believe in them. But it's also working more stronger on on getting a part of the listings of the neighborhoods and the communities that I've I've been selling for, so you know, as the buyer's agent. But I want to be on the listing side. So it's really promoting myself stronger as a listing agent as well as I've been a very good buyer's agent. And that's what my repeated business has been. It's kind of like strengthening the overall um, – wellness of 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 my business um bringing in a new person although i've said a somewhat sad goodbye to you newman on my team i know i can call about you on you for anything but i brought in new people and hopefully some more in 2017 that can further strengthen strengthen myself and my team um within the business which is is really really key and hopefully officially getting a stamp of approval from real estate one to to make whether it be my office or another location in the city for a Detroit office. That's to me is really big um, because the importance of having that presence, I think is really key as we're seeing all of this stuff develop. And um, I know that they recognize it, but they want to make the right, you know, the right decision for the future. They don't want it to be a short lived decision there. And so they're going about it in all the right ways. I just want them to do it in 2017. Oh, I think it'd be a terrible mistake on their part not to have an official, yeah. an official, because official. right now they do have a mm-hmm. presence in Detroit, and that's you. Right, but You're, it's unofficial. It's unofficial. Mm-hmm. You know, where I want to combine those two logos right. with Liz in Detroit mm-hmm. and Real Estate One, because it benefits them from a standpoint is when we meet with developers, mm-hmm. right, where I say, yeah, it's, it may be Real Estate One, but it's really Liz in Detroit. Yeah. Because when people look at it and say, well, Real Estate One sold this much in the city of Detroit, I take great pride in saying Real Estate One was the broker, mm-hmm. but it was a Liz in Detroit that sold all of those properties <laughs> in the city of Detroit. It's pretty exciting. I mean, I, I, I never really look at what a great feat that that really is because I'm just like a machine. I do what you I do and I, I work with people and hopefully my clients truly realize that I'm only as good as they let me to be by choosing, you know, me as their agent. And, you know, going into 2017, I want people to realize I value that choice that they made and I only want to be better because of it. Tell people how they can get in touch with you. So my website will say the same, lizindetroit.com. So please log on to old or new. It's there to stay. But you can call me, 313-617-2699 or email lt at lizindetroit.com. Facebook, lizindetroit.com. Twitter, lizindetroit. I'm there always for you. Thank you.